Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, a broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Cornerstone Financial Consultants are not affiliated. to the Journey Mindset Podcast. My name is Sean Ulrich, and I'm a financial advisor at Cornerstone Financial Consultants in Washington, Missouri. And I am joined today, as always, by my co-host, Ron Shear. And Ron is a former financial advisor with a wealth of knowledge on all things investing, and we are lucky to have him today. So, Ron, how are you doing, man? And what is one thing you're doing to enjoy your journey? I'm just living the dream, Sean, and, and I'm just trying to do my best to get through these really, really hot days. You know, normally I get... I get a fairly early start, and you know, in, in my life now, being retired, you know, it gets to be one o'clock, and I say, you know, it's quitting time. <laughs> it's too hot out there. Oh, and speaking of hot, I had a pretty sweet opportunity come my way yesterday. I got invited to go play out at Belle Reve, the uh, country club that actually hosted the PGA Championship, I believe it was in 2018. Were you able to make it out there for that, Ron? We actually had tickets, but with uh, my son Marcus and I uh, were headed there, and we got onto the bus and ended up waiting in the... uh, in the parking lot, it was just a torrential rain, oh. and it turns out it was uh, it was just uh, just a rain out. But you know, it wasn't for lack of effort. But no, to answer your question, a long answer to a short question, we were out there but didn't actually get onto the course. So it, uh, uh, you know, maybe next time. Our topic for today, Ron. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be educational. We got Cardinals baseball coming up soon. I know we've talked about this. We do. I guess they open up <laughs> against the Bucks, the Pirates. So. That, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of anticipation. You know, the game's going to look a little different, but still baseball. I know. No fans in the stands. But, hey, we're trying to get the hype going here at Cornerstone Financial Consultants just like everybody else. I mean, we've grown up in St. Louis. It's a big thing. It's a big tradition in St. Louis for baseball to get fired up. And our topic for today is going to be looking at different investment strategies and kind of comparing those to what it looks like to be a hitter in baseball. And my question to you before we get started, Ron, is what is your fondest memory as a baseball fan or a spectator in the sport of baseball? I was just a small boy, and my dad and my took uh, the three of us boys. There were three boys, and I was the youngest of three. But was to the old Sportsman's Park, and you know my dad was uh, a little uh, what we would call close with the bucks. So he had bought <laughs> he bought four bleacher seat tickets in the old Sportsman's Park. And it was one of the most memorable things. I'll, I mean, I just won't forget it because there was a, a smell about the ballpark and a feeling about the ballpark. And, and maybe it was just because of my, my age and being young. And, uh, but there was a feeling and an experience that I have never, never really felt in the, in the ballparks that came considerably after that old ballpark, but it was got to see Stan Musial as a player, hmm. and uh, that was cool. It's just a memorable experience. How about you? 
That's a great question. I'm the person that pops into my mind is I got to go to spring training as a young kid. And just like what you said too, I don't think there's anything that compares to being a young kid that just admires the game, admires the athletes that are playing at that high of a level. And then game six would be, would be my second memory with David freeze, you mm, know, hitting sure. those. I was in a basement with a group of friends and we just went crazy. I'm talking, we were running around the, well, they had a pool table there. We ran around the pool table and <laughs> dove and like dog piled and had all these, oh, it was so cool. Tremendous celebration. What, oh. a, what a, what a great sport and what a great game that was. I think yeah. it probably sticks in the, the minds of most St. Louis fans and, you know, him coming around third base and that batting helmet comes off. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just, uh, it was just terrific. So true. So true. So today we're going to talk about comparing investment strategies to what it looks like to be a hitter in baseball. And I've got some uh, metaphors for us today, Ron, that sure. I'm going to be interested to hear what your take will be on it. And uh, so when you watch a baseball game, you quickly realize that everything revolves around the pitcher. And so I'm going to compare the pitcher to the market in today's podcast. And if you know that, hey, the pitcher is going to be be the one to set the pace. He's going to be the one to deliver the pitches to the hitter, and it's up to the hitter to react to what the pitcher throws at him. Right. And so what do you think about that comparison right there? Well, I think that's a fairly good analogy. It all starts with a pitch, and some of the, sometimes the pitcher is really on his game, and that uh, that presents another set of circumstances for the hitter. And uh, and there are some days that he just doesn't have his stuff, and, and that's, you know, then the, the – the hitters can kind of cash in on that, but uh, yeah, the, I I think the the pitch pitcher in the market, I think that's a good a good comparison, sure. And when I think about it more in depth, almost all investors are subject to what we call market risk, which really means that you're just kind of at the mercy of what the market is doing during that time. And I think the same thing can be said. And I can tell you, as a position player, Ron, there were plenty of times when we started a game. And a hitter would step up to bat, and it would be strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. You know, the guys would walk back into the dugout, and they would be like, this guy's dealing today. You know, it would just kind of put everybody on alert that, hey, whatever approach you had, you know, going up to the plate may need to change it, you know. Or even better, a lot of the times, too, you could say, hey, you know, I know what I've done to be successful as a hitter. I'm going to stick with it. You know, I think there's a couple of different routes you can usually take. And uh, so this is a fun one too, Ron. When you look back on your baseball career, what kind of a hitter were you, man, when you stepped into that box? Wasn't really strong with the bat. Uh, <laughs> defensively, you know, not not too bad, but uh, always struggled a little bit with the with the stick. You know, at uh, uh, I, you know, I hate to admit that, but it's just the truth. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And I can tell you, too, I wasn't the greatest hitter as a young one either. But, man, I put my head down and I started to work hard enough. I, by the end of my career, I definitely hit way more doubles than anything else. And so that's what I would kind of look back on, more of a gap-to-gap -gap hitter. Uh, but just something that I knew, hey, that's who I was and that was my approach. So when I think about what we're talking about today, a lot of the success that comes not only as an investor, but then also as a baseball player to parallel the two has to do with, you know, as a baseball player, my pregame routine, you know, the research that I had done, the preparation that I had done on the front end, right. but then also my approach when I step up to the plate too. And I think that has a lot to say about people's investment strategies. And, and, and like we had mentioned earlier, this is meant to be educational. It's meant to be fun. By no means is, is investment performance ever guaranteed. So what we're going to talk about today is you know, hitting a single, hitting a double, hitting a triple, and then hitting home runs. And this is our attempt to categorize some investment 
strategies, some investment styles, have some fun with it, you know, let the people know. Sure. Drawing the parallels between baseball and the market and investing, I think, is it's kind of a fun thing, and and uh, and you know what? We don't ever want to be judged too seriously. Exactly, exactly. We are uh, not saying to immediately go out and to purchase any one of these, you know, investments or anything in this sectors. Meant to be fun, meant to be educational. So starting off with singles. If I'm an investor and I'm looking to hit some singles out here, the first thing I have for us is talking about CDs or certificates of deposits, bonds or really just looking at investments strictly based off of, oh, it's dipped in price, you know, let's try to get it at a good value. Right, right. And in an article published by Bankrate.com, it actually shows us a historical performance of CDs or certificates of deposit. And it looks like in the 80s, you could get a CD that was paying close to 11 or 12% at its highest. And then you look at the 90s, it kind of dipped down into that 6 to 8% realm. Mm-hmm. And there is no question about that. Huh. I, I lived uh, through that to see that that uh, CD rates were, were double digits. I mean, um, 14, 15 percent treasuries, long term treasuries back in that time were had just phenomenal yields. And, and uh, uh, not I don't think anything actually touched 20 percent. But I do think that there were some CD rates that uh, that hit uh, uh, a good 18%, and I know that yeah. long-term treasuries were right there. I mean, it was just a phenomenal time. One of the things that people fail to recognize or remember about that time, though, it was also a time of very, very aggressive inflation. Paul uh, Volcker was our Fed chairman, and uh, those were the days when you filled up your car at the at the service station if you did a lot of driving, and you might pay forty nine nine for a, a, a gallon of gas. And when you went, you did that on Monday. And when you went back the next Monday, it was fifty-five nine. I mean, oh it was, gosh. and it was week after week after week, and it, it just didn't touch fuel, but it touched every uh, every factor factor of life. And in fact, we knew people who uh, were on uh, adjustable rate mortgages and and suffered greatly when those interest rates would move, and it was time to reset their adjustable rate mortgage or or as arm an arm loan is as they were typically called then. It was just absolutely a horrible, horrible time from the standpoint of, of inflation. But, uh, yeah, you're right. CD yeah. rates were just out of sight. I mean, those were home runs back in the day. I mean, yeah. uh, but with typically now, if, if you draw that comparison back to, uh, to CDs and to baseball, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's probably a single. That might even be a base on balls. I mean, a, a certificate is, is uh, the way rates are right now. And my name is Sean Ulrich, and I'm here with Ron Shear. We're Cornerstone Financial Consultants, uh, and you're listening to the Journey Mindset Podcast. You know, moving on with, with other things that we would consider to be singles, and it, it sounds like CDs actually used to be, like you were saying, close to home runs back in the day. And uh, once it hit the 2000s, it looks like you could expect between a 2 to 6% yield on those CDs. And nowadays, I mean, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a CD that's paying more than 2%. It looks like that's about the highest you're going to find. Sean, one of the toughest things that, that, that there was to deal with when people who had a little money back in the early 80s and, and were used to getting those CD rates that were phenomenal rates of 18%, uh, and then those rates went away, and, and it was an anomaly that probably will never, ever come back again for the simple reason that over – nearly a 200-year history, interest rates in this country have just about averaged about 5%. Now they're considerably lower than that now. But it was a very difficult time because people got used to 18% CD rates, and they always thought that those rates were coming back. And, uh, 
and, and you, you just didn't want to be the person to, you know, you have to talk in our business, you have to talk about the realities. And, and we knew that, that those interest rates were never going to come back to that, to that height. And yeah, probably good reason because they were just artificially too high. And that's incredible perspective, too. And unfortunately, Ron, the same can be said for bonds right now. The 10-year bond yield I just looked this morning is at 0.6%. So you're actually making less than 1% on your money. So when you're talking about singles from an investing standpoint, if you're saying, hey, I just want to invest a little bit, I want to stay as safe as I can, I want to at least get on base as possible, we're looking at CDs, we're looking at bonds. But as of right now, they're not really earning you a ton of money. And another thing that people can look at as far as, you know, what we would consider to be singles in the investing world would be high yield investment accounts. And for the sake of time, you know, we can talk about those more on a later podcast. Those rates tend to fluctuate. They've been as high as 2%, I think I saw in January, February time. But it looks like they're kind of down closer to 1% right now. And it's better than a regular savings account. Uh, but it's at least something that we would still put into that singles category. Right. And, you know, uh, you can make a place uh, for part of your money in, into uh, those those investments that are going to give you that that scratch single. You know, I mean, there's certainly nothing wrong with that, but uh, it's hard to get around the bases to get to actually score the run if you're going to just hit. I mean, everybody has to everybody has to hit a single now and again, but yep. uh, there are probably better ways that you can go about that. For sure. And we also love to talk about, okay, what percentage of your income are you actually allocating towards investing and towards your retirement? And we think if you want to stay in that singles category, you're going to stick right around that 3% range. A lot of the time people will contribute, which is uh, completely fine. A lot of the time, 3% of their income towards retirement and towards investing. And so I didn't know, Ron, do you have any other thoughts on investors approaching just kind of hitting singles? And it sounds like you've already done a great job of, of incorporating and letting people know, hey, this can be a portion of your allocation. Sure, it should be. And it's just like like when you you uh, uh, when you set up anything in, in, in your life, you don't you don't skew everything into one direction. You always use some sense of diversification. And, and you know, grandma always said, don't put all the eggs in in just one basket. Uh, and that's the same thing that comes down to investing. There's certainly nothing wrong with having a percentage or a, a portion of your investment portfolio in, in those uh, products that are safe. And uh, those, are your, those are your easy singles, as, as we would say in the, for the sake of this broadcast. Nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, but there's a whole lot more that can, can be done uh, that uh, will actually get you into that that double, the triple, and even a home run now and again. But here again, it's uh, our system is based on risk and reward. The greater amount of risk that you assume, the the more uh, typically is the reward. If if things work out the way that you plan, things don't always work out that that way. Sometimes you're uh, you're three and two, and you just get a terrible, terrible, ugly pitch, and, and you. you <laughs> You put your bat back on the shoulder and walk back to the dugout. That's a strikeout, but that that can happen too uh, uh, in, in baseball, and it happens in investing as well. Very true, very true. Moving on to doubles, we're trying to hit doubles. We're having fun today comparing investment strategies to what you can do as a hitter in baseball. So if we're kind of going to try to hit some doubles as investors, what are we going to look at? So what I have for us is looking at both growth and income. When you're an investor you have two different things you can look at. Hey, I'm trying to grow this money or I'd like to make some income off of the money that I'm investing. 
And one of the coolest things that people can see in retirement is when they've built up their assets to a point where they're actually either able to live off of all of their dividends or a portion of their dividends just because of the income that it provides. And, you know, we're going to talk about dividends a little bit more here. Another thing that I can think about when I think about hitting doubles is large cap growth, you know, large cap growth companies, and then sometimes some value companies, even though value hasn't done as well as growth. But I think when you really want to say, hey, I want to be consistent, I want to be out there over a long period of time, large cap growth has been a great sector of the market to be able to look into. And, and we also talk about too, you know, getting back to how much of that salary of ours we want to allocate towards investment and towards retirement. We think if you want to stick around that 5% range, you're hitting a lot of doubles. You're doing pretty well for yourself. And that also depends upon what age somebody is. If you're putting away 5% at a young age, that can have a big impact. Now, if you're a little bit older, closer to retirement, you may need to do a little bit more. But a younger investor doing 5%, that's in the doubles range. And, you know, before we get into the explanation of what a dividend yield is, Ron, what do you think about investing for both growth and income as an investor? Well, I think it makes perfect sense. I think it should be uh, it should be a portion of your portfolio. I think you should have some money that's there. That's your rainy day money that should be in, in, in uh, a bank CDs or uh, a savings account, not necessarily a checking account so much, but you should have some there. You should have some growth in income for the simple reason that that is going to do exactly what it says it's going to do. Continuing comparing investment strategies to, you know, what happens on the baseball field, hitting doubles. When we talk about dividend payers, if you're somebody that's not familiar with dividends, usually companies that pay a dividend, it's, it's called the yield, the dividend yield. And you can expect that to be nowadays, usually close to three or 4% is pretty common with specific companies. We've seen, you know, funds get as high as 7%. And you usually got to ask some questions, at least in, in today's day and age, if you get that yield up over four or 5%, how's that happening? You know, there's an inverse relationship between stock price and dividend yield. Suffice it to say, when you see yields or returns that are higher at a given time than normal, I think that's when you want to step back and you want to take a little extra long look. Yep. You know, uh, you know, I think you want to make sure that you're seeing like a good pitch. You're seeing what you actually think you're seeing and you want to make sure because typically interest rates are, are all very, very common in in similar investments. And here again, sometimes you'll see a little higher return. You'll see higher returns on those investments that will allow you or will expect that you take a little more risk. Yeah. But if there's something that's unusually high, beware. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And there is a portion of companies that are called the dividend aristocrats. And these are companies that have paid a consistent dividend for at least, I believe it's 25 years in a row. And I could be wrong on that. It might be 20, 20 or 25 years. But these are companies that have just been very consistent with their dividend payment. And so we think if you're somebody that's shooting to hit doubles, you know, you might want to look at those dividend aristocrats and, and have somebody that's going to be consistent over a long period of time. So continuing to have a little bit of fun here, Ron, a little bit of baseball trivia for you. You want to take a stab at what hitters are, are top five in Major League Baseball history in doubles. And I know that you, you've gotten a little sneak peek of what it could potentially be, but say you didn't. What, what hitters would you think would be up there in doubles? Well, I, I would have to assume that Stan Musial, Stan the man's at the top of most every list, so I would put him on there. Mm. Beyond that, um, and you're right, 
I would say this having not had a peek at the list, but Albert Pujols, I think that's a given. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but beyond that, I mean, that's two, but, you know. Tough to say. Tough question. It's a tough question. So looking at our list here, I had never heard of this guy before. The guy that tops the list for the most doubles in MLB history is a guy named Tris Speaker. T-R-I-S Speaker. And his nickname was the Gray Eagle. What a great nickname. What an awesome nickname. Looks like he was a center fielder from Hubbard, Texas, who played in 1909 to 1928. Which, I mean, what a great name. I'm, he might be my new favorite player. Well, that's a great career. 19 years in, in Major League Baseball. Oh, so wow. true. And to continue on with that list, number two is Pete Rose. And, Ron, you got it. Number three is Stan Musial, St. Yeah, Louis guy. Uh, number four is Ty Cobb. Number five is Craig Biggio, a great player for the Astros, Cardinal killer back in the day. Number six is George Brett, a great player for the the Royals, who's known for the pine tar incident, yeah, storming sure out yeah. of uh, the dugout. Yeah. Uh, when the umpire ruled it, uh, his bat ineligible or whatever the heck it was. And then you were right also with number seven. Number seven was Albert Pujols, too. So look at you with some baseball knowledge, some baseball history hey, right there. you know what? It's just, uh, it's just the luck of the draw. I respect that. So we got two more things. We got triples in investing, and we got home runs in investing. And as we all know, triples are rare. They're very exciting in baseball, and it takes a little bit of luck or really an incredible amount of speed in order to be able to achieve a triple in investing. And sometimes the market will rally quicker than others, and there's a little bit of luck involved with it. And you could wind up hitting you know, more triples than you might expect, depending upon what's going on with the market. And you know what the other thing is with a triple? Typically, if you're watching baseball, it's aided. The triple is aided by the fact that somebody didn't feel the ball cleanly or there was a little bit of a bad throw or offline or whatever. But, yeah. but that's normally a part of it. Absolutely. And we've seen those players that try to stretch a double into a triple sometimes, and they get thrown out at third. (laughs) And, man, that's a tough one to swallow. Yeah, that's a tough tough thing. It's hard to see. Because you think to yourself, man, if I would have just pulled up at second, but, I mean, we're the type of guys that, at least when we're competing, you know, in competitive sports, we try to stretch it. That goes back to the risk-reward, just like investing in the market. Yep. And when I think about triples, I definitely think about growth funds. I think about some single stock investing. You know, you got to have some research on the front end. You got to get a little bit lucky for that thing to be doing well over a long period of time. But the number one thing I can think of is being able to capture that investment, that rare investment that you can get at a value, but then also has great growth over a long period of time. And it really made me think of Billy Bean and the Oakland A's. Did you ever get a chance, Ron, to watch that movie Moneyball? I did not see that picture. I did not. What? Still on the list. Oh, it's a good one. It's a good one. Well, if you know anything about Billy Bean, Billy Bean's the GM, the general manager, the guy that's in charge of you know right. m- making draft picks for the Oakland uh, Athletics uh, baseball organization. He had a strategy of he was going to try to find value. He was going to try to find bl- players that could get on base consistently. You know that were players that might have gotten overlooked by other people in the league. We think that the same thing can be done in the investing world by being able to identify a company that has you know. Uh, potentially, you know, a great balance sheet has a great idea or funds that may be overlooked and we think are going to make a good, strong run here in the near future. Sure. What we typically look for is a company that's had a good, long track record and they've been a good, strong uh, company and and uh, reasonably well managed in an industry that I mean, you can make a mighty fine buggy whip. But but, you know, <laughs> we just don't we just don't need a lot of those right now. But they have yep. to be in a vibrant a vibrant market, and, uh, and and what we look for is uh, is a company that, for some reason or another, is in the short run has fallen out of favor, and and 
sometimes, uh, sometimes, many times, sometimes is probably the better, safest word to use. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll pick a company like that and put a few dollars in it, and uh, and they uh, correct themselves in, in whatever has been a little bit wrong in their business model, and away we go. And uh, uh, it, it very much has a very, very happy outcome. It's Absolutely. Strong hit. Absolutely. Looking at what percentage of your income you're going to be allocating towards investing, if you remember, singles were 3%, doubles were 5%. If we're going to talk about hitting triples in investing, we're going to shoot for 10% of our income allocated towards retirement or allocated towards investing. And looking at those baseball statistics that we talked about earlier, Ron, I'm not going to make you guess as to who are the list of the top uh, hitters, the, the top triples leaders in MLB history. But some of the guys on that list were Ty Cobb, Honus Wagner, sure. and there's our guy. I forget what the heck his name was. Not the True speaker. The Gray Eagle. The oh, gray man. Eagle, you, yeah. you see him at the list at number six uh, on the all-time uh, triples leader. So moving on to our last and final one, Ron, if you are looking to hit home runs as an investor, I think this definitely comes down to perspective. What one person may consider to be a home run, somebody else may consider to be a single. And, Ron, I'd love to see for you, if you're going to look at somebody and say, oh, man, that guy's really hit a home run in investing, what does that look like for you? Well, what it typically looked like to me was a person who had uh, been a pretty good student of this business. You have to make sure that you, that you do the, the research and that you just can't read the, the writings of one analyst and, and take what they have to say for gospel. It doesn't typically work out that well. But uh, it takes it takes uh, some investment savvy and some and some looking and research over time. And the other thing that I've seen with home run hitting investors is they'll always do about the same thing: is they have a fairly good sized portfolio that they have worked very very hard to get into shape hmm. and to build. And then when they start to take some aggressive chances with this to hit that home run, they use very, very small portions of that portfolio. Yep. And when I think about it too, they've earned the right to take some risk. Sure. You know, they've earned the right to build up their portfolio to the point where, okay, hey, I'm going to allocate, you know, 5% of my portfolio, right. 10% of my portfolio towards some riskier investments. When I think about hitting a home run and investing, I think about somebody that's grown their assets to a point where they're able to give back and there's purpose behind those dollars. I think there's a lot of people that have grown you know, an incredible amount of assets with all kinds of stuff. You know, this is our podcast. We get to decide what a home run is. And for me, that really looks like somebody that has a lot of purpose behind those dollars. And I think we've talked about on previous podcasts, Dave Ramsey's seven baby steps. You know, you're out of debt. You're to that seventh baby step of giving back and giving generously. And I think that is such an incredible place to get to. And how do you get there? If you're going to be a home run hitting investor, you're going to be investing 15% or more of your paycheck. And that's going to be something you've been diligently paying attention to over a long period of time. Now, what kind of investments, what kind of investment sectors are the ones that have the potential to hit home runs? Obviously, nothing's guaranteed in the investing world. That usually comes with, like you had mentioned, Ron, earlier, sometimes those small cap funds or those small cap stocks that you're able to identify on the earlier end that have made those runs over a long period of time. As of recent, it's been a lot of these tech funds. There are some tech funds that are up 
over 30, 40, 50% year to date, which is an incredible statistic to be able to look at, which, you know, usually doesn't happen year after year. But when it does, you know, you're able to smile and look back and be thankful that you made that investment. And then it's definitely possible to hit home runs over a long-term period of time with index investing. If you start early enough, if you're 30, 40 years out and you invest in an index fund, you can hit some home runs, you know, by the time when you look back and say, you know, thank you, younger self, for making that wise decision. And for us, Ron, we always talk about faith, at least a little bit in this podcast. That looks like keeping Jesus at the center of your life and, you know, looking to him for guidance. Well, that's that's the key right there, Sean. You got to you got to keep your eye on the ball, and, and when you're a hitter, you have to keep your eye on the ball. And, and as, you, as you become successful, you have to be able to look and, and give proper uh, thanks to where the, you know that blessing comes from. And I know what you know, or I know what you believe, and I believe the same thing, that these blessings come uh, from the Lord. You know, He doesn't need our money. Yep. He really doesn't. Yep. It, all of it, it belongs to Him anyway. What he really wants is your heart, and when you, when you give your heart, and and you, uh, when you've been successful, and you want to do things, not necessarily for the sake of leaving a legacy and a name behind once you're no longer here, but to, to be able to see the good that it does while you're here, whether it's yeah. for your, to helping your kids or helping your grandkids or helping somebody that you don't even know just because it's it's the right thing as a human being to do. I mean, that's that's when you're really seeing the ball and you're really hitting the home run. I mean, you're really driving the ball when you're doing that. That's that's when you're cooking. And, and it lasts, man. It lasts. It's so important to have. And we could go on talking about baseball analogies for days. And our goal is always for people to have fun, to enjoy the process of learning personal finance. We were talking about hitting singles in the investing world, doubles, triples, home runs. People may have different opinions than us, you know, on what a single, double, or triple, or a home run looks like. But, you know, we hope people took away some fun from today. And as always, guys, be sure to connect with us at thejourneymindset.com or cornerstone2invest.com and reach out to us at Cornerstone Financial in Washington, Missouri at 636-239-5000. If you would like to connect and learn more about what it would look like to invest with us here at Cornerstone Financial Consultants, Our goal is to always get to know your particular situation and to see how we can help. So big thank you for tuning in today and thank you for listening to the Journey Mindset Podcast.